Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Morning, everyone. Welcome to the Inspired by the Word Global Times of Devotion. Hallelujah. Right now, we're going to be praying. I'd like to read to us the scripture. 1 Timothy 2 from verse 1 to 4. But I'll be reading today from the Amplified Version. It says, first of all, then I admonish and urge and petition prayers, intercessions. I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be offered on behalf of all men, for kings and all that are in positions of authority or high responsibility, that outwardly we may pass a quiet and undisturbed life, and inwardly a peaceable one, in all godliness and reverence and seriousness in every area. For such, praying is good and right, and it is pleasing and acceptable to God our Savior, who wishes all men to be saved and increasingly to perceive and recognize and discern and know precisely and correctly the divine truth. That's verse four. I'll take it again. Who wishes all men? to be saved and increasingly to perceive and recognize and discern and know precisely and correctly the divine truth, hallelujah. This is the month of truths. And today we're gonna to be praying specifically that the people will come to the knowledge of divine truths. They'll be able to perceive, they'll be able to discern They'll be able to recognize. They'll be able to precisely and correctly divine, know the divine truth of God. Hallelujah. Not, they are not being tossed to and fro. They are not being, they are not being deceived. Hallelujah. They are not being deceived. Not anymore. The people now know they are coming to the knowledge of the truth. They are understanding the truth. They are recognizing the truth, most especially recognizing the truth. Hallelujah. I'd like us to kindly unmute our mic and let us begin to pray. It is the month of truth. Men are to understand the truth, to know the truth, to perceive the truth. No more rude in the heart of There's a darkness of deception we continue down for the lives of the people. And we know that the only thing is through the teaching of the Gospel of the Sabah, 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 Sabah
Even in this
Yes, we thank you, dear Lord Jesus Christ. This is the month of truth, dear fallen nations of the world. Hallelujah. No longer wallow in deception. Hallelujah. In lies, no more, no more. Hallelujah. But the leave, eat, talk, speak, oh God. The truth, hallelujah. They come to an understanding. They come to discern the truth of God's word. They come to discern, oh God, the truth of the gospel. Yes, hallelujah. And they are no more this. <coughs> You are no more deceived, oh God. In the name of the Lord Jesus. No more deception. No more will deception rule the world. No more will deception rule the cities, the states. No more, no more. Men are standing with the truth and for the truth. But most of all, hallelujah, they are finding out the truth truth, hallelujah. They are coming, oh God, to the place of understanding of the truth of God's word. Men are boldly standing with and for the truth. They refuse anymore for deception to rule them. They begin to repel deception. They begin to repel deception in the name of the Lord Jesus. For the Lord our God rules and runs in the affairs of men in all in all truth of God. Yes, the Lord our God he Himself is truth, Himself is light. Therefore, He rules and dominates in the affairs of men. Thank you, precious Father. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. Yes, you are God all by yourself. You are light and you are truth. Glory to God forevermore. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, precious Father. For in Jesus' name, we've prayed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. And welcome to the Inspired by the Word Global Times of Devotion with the Lord. Hallelujah. You're welcome and happy weekend. Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Amaka, for the opportunity to always lead the sense of God in prayer. Hallelujah. I'm grateful for the opportunities. Praise the Lord. And right now we're going to be going over to the Rhapsody segment. And um, I invite the esteemed Sister Maka to take that segment. Thank you, ma'am. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. In the highest, amen. Glory be to you, God. In the highest, amen. For his mercies endure forever, amen. For his mercies endure forever. 
We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Good morning, everybody. And welcome to today's um, time of devotion with the Lord. Today is Saturday, 17th of April, 2021. And today's devotional is a kingdom principle. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Galatians 6 and verse 7, NIV translation. The kingdom of God is a real functional kingdom with principles. For example, giving and receiving is an important kingdom principle. Genesis 8 and verse 22 in the Amplified Classic translation tells us, while the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. In John 12, 24, the Lord said, listen carefully, unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times. That's the message translation. 
Except you sow your seed, you have no reason to expect a harvest. The kingdom principle of seed time and harvest positions you for the prosperous life that God has ordained for you. It's a principle that works. It doesn't matter how beautiful a seed is in your hand or what else you do with it. Until you sow it, it will produce no harvest. That's the kingdom truth. The seed doesn't reckon who is holding it, whether it's a good man or a wicked fellow. Once the seed gets into the right environment, it will produce the necessary results. The kingdom principle applies to everything about life. The harvest a farmer gets is a direct result of the seed he plants. Just as it is with the farmer, so it is with you. Your seed could come in different forms. It could be with your time, your talent, or any other gift God has blessed you with for a glorious life. How great and glorious your life would be is hinged on what you do with your seed. For example, this material you're reading right now, Rhapsody of Realities, is an indispensable tool for mass evangelism. You can be a part of its spread, penetration, and distribution around the world in these end times. Commit to ensuring the gospel reaches the unreached and gets even to the remotest village. Give your best into it. Remember, the more you give, the more the Lord blesses you and the greater you become. Operate this principle and see your life move from glory to glory. The Lord will multiply your seed soon and increase the fruit of your righteousness. He will overwhelm you with grace, forever increasing fruitfulness and superabundance. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Giving and receiving the kingdom principle. Praise God. You know, something got my attention while we read. Pastor liking the seed to different things. Your seed could be your time. Your seed could be your gift. Your seed could be your money. It could be anything. Our opening verse says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. What you put in today, what you sow in today. Your seed could be kindness. A man would always reap what he sows. And we are reminded that one of the most important things things in this time is mass evangelism, our work as Christians towards mass evangelism. There's yet so many people yet to hear the gospel around the world. And it is God's desire that everyone hears it before Christ comes. You can all be a witness that this devotion has been a blessing to every one of us on a daily basis. I don't know how many people you give this devotion out to. I don't know how many you send it to on a daily basis. I don't know how many people around your world has the devotional because they have you. Because when I think about what we gain, what we profit on a daily basis from this devotional, the lessons for life, the things that we learn, 
Imagine that everyone in your space had the opportunity to have such knowledge, what kind of life they would live. Yesterday, for instance, we learned about our weapons of war. Of war, and then we, we noted four different weapons that we have as Christians, the word of God, the name of Jesus, the ministry of the angels and the Holy Spirit. And we, we concluded how that with those four weapons, no man, no child of God has any reason to lose in life. No child of God has any reason to be disadvantaged. Maybe that sick auntie, that depressed uncle just needs to know that they have the name of Jesus, that they have the gift of the Holy Spirit, that they have angels assigned to them as children of God. There are those who have been Christians for a while. They don't even know what they have. They don't know who they are. On Thursday the 15th, we learned about creating with words. And we, we knew that, you know, if you didn't know after reading this devotion, this, this um, um, devotional article, you knew that you could, you could talk to that situation. And with your words, you could create, you know, you could change any hopeless situation. And even if you were having a great life already, Pastor said that you can make it much more glorious by your faithful words. If you go up, you see many, many things that we learned from the devotional. On a daily basis, revelations from God's word is being shared with us, equipping us for life and for the times that we're in. So amidst all that you do for the gospel, be relevant in spreading this devotional. And let the most important thing at this point in time be what you do for the gospel and what you do with the gospel. You know, um, say where a man's heart is, there would his money, treasure, whatever you call it be. And money gets into your hands, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Is it all the bills that you have to pay? Is it the car that you're planning to buy? Or is it the gospel first? The first thing that comes to your mind tells where your heart is. It's awesome when we read Rhapsody and we're reminded about the fact that <clears throat> God cares about us. God is changing our situation. God is doing this for us. This is happening for us all. And then we can, we can anchor our faith on those words and know that there will be a change in whatsoever situation that we are in at that time. But we must remember that God created us for his purpose. 
God always wanted to have fellowship with man. And when he gained fellowship with you, he wanted you to be that instrument to bring other men into fellowship with him. That's the whole thing about evangelism, bringing other people, other men, women, boys, girls, teenagers, children, into fellowship with their father, the one who created them. And this is why the most important thing to you, you know, in your relationship with God should be your fellowship. Don't get busy about the work that you ignore the word. I'll say it again, don't get busy about the work that you ignore the word. Fellowship comes first, then the work of evangelism. Because God ministers to the world through you. And if you're not in fellowship with him, you may miss it and you will miss it. It is the reason why in this end time, I'm sure some of you are shocked when you see that men of God, people that we have revered through the years, who we have watched their videos, are the ones leading their congregation astray, going as far as taking the vaccine and telling their members that it is fate to take the vaccine. We are not stupid. How did they get there? These were people who were busy on TV on a daily basis before the pandemic. How did they get there? They were busy about the work, but they ignored the word. Because the Bible says that when you know the truth, you will be free. You'll be free from deception. You will not be deceived. In these last days, I missed everything. Do not get too busy about the work that you ignore the word. Paul said that after I have preached the gospel, I do not want that I myself will become a castaway. We're in a kingdom of truth and the truth will keep us. Thank you so much. I'll hand over to Sister Joy for the, for the study and the absolute prayer. Thank you so much, Ma. Good morning, Ma. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're connected from. Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Maka, for this wonderful opportunity. Praise God. I'll be taking the further study we're reading from Genesis 26, 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Second Corinthians 9, 6 to 11. But these I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he proposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, 
that ye all, always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work as it is written, he that he, he had dispersed abroad, he had given to the poor, his righteousness remained forever. Now he that ministered seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness and being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us tends giving to God. Praise the Lord. Right now, we're going to be taking the prayer together. You don't have to unmute your mic. Just repeat after me wherever you are. Dear Father, I rejoice because you are able to multiply all grace towards me so that always and under all circumstances, I am self-sufficient and in super abundance. As I give my time, talent, and finances into the gospel, I'm confident of a multiplied harvest of blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Maka, for this wonderful opportunity. Right now, I would like to hand over to Brodozi as he takes us through the New Testament reading of the one-year Bible plan. Thank you so much, everyone, for your time. Have a beautiful day ahead. Thank you so much, Sister Joy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on what part of the world you're connecting from. Thank you so much, Sister Maka, for this amazing platform. Thank you, everyone, for being consistent with this daily Bible devotional. Uh, yesterday, we read about, um, we are reading the book of Luke, and we, have, we just concluded Luke chapter 15, uh, where we got to see the love of the Father. We had the different parables, the lost coin, um, the lost sheep, and we talked about the love of the Father concerning the two sons that he had. Today, we're jumping into Luke chapter 16, and we're reading the entire chapter. We're reading the message translation, and it's been a very interesting read, a very, very expository read. So listen and be blessed. The caption, the story of the crooked manager. Verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, There was once a rich man who had a manager. He got reports that the manager had been taking advantage of his position by running up huge personal expenses. So he called him and said, what's this that I hear about you? You are fired. And I, I want a complete audit of your books. The manager said to himself, what am, I to, what am I going to do? I've lost my job as manager. I'm not strong enough for a laboring job and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I've got a plan. Here's what I'll do. Then when I'm turned out into the streets, people will take me into their houses. Then he went at it. One after another, he called in the people who were in debt to his master. He said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He replied, a hundred jugs of olive oil. The manager said, here, take your bill. Sit down here quickly. Quick now, write 50. To the next, he said, and you, what do you owe? 
he answered, a hundred sacks of wheat. He said, take your bill, write, write in 80. Now here's a surprise. The master praised the crook's manager. And why? Because he knew how to look after himself. Streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They are on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. I want you to be smart in the same way. But for what is right, using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials. So you live, really live, and not complacently. Just get by on good behavior. Praise God. The words of wisdom is saying we should be smart, but in a good way, but we should be smart. The caption, God sees behind appearances. Verse 10. Jesus went on to make these comments. If you are honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. If you are a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you are not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? No worker can serve two bosses. You either hate the first and love the second, or adore the first and despise the second. You can't serve both God and the bank. Verse 18, verse 14. When the Pharisees, a money-obsessed bunch, heard him say these things, they rolled their eyes, dismissing him as hopelessly out of touch. So Jesus spoke to them. You are masters as making yourselves look good in front of others, but God knows what's behind the appearance. What society sees and calls monumental, God sees through and calls monstrous. Law, God's laws and the prophets climaxed in John. Now it's all kingdom of God, the glad news, and compelling invitation to every man and woman. The sky will disintegrate and the earth dissolve before a single letter of God's law wears out. Using the legalities of divorce as a cover for lust is adultery. Using the legalities of divorce as a cover for lust is adultery. Using the legalities of marriage as a cover for lust is adultery. Praise God. And Jesus is making it clear here. Um, first of all, he's saying that if you're not faithful with little, who will give you greater things to handle? Someone usually says that you have to handle small or manage small in order to grow big. You don't grow big to manage. You manage small to grow big. So whatever God has placed in your hand, in the words of Jesus is saying, you're faithful with what you have first and that will grow you in capacity to be faithful to what is bigger and what God has really, really proposed for you to do. Praise God. The caption, the rich man and Lazarus, verse 19. There was once a rich man, expensively dressed in the latest fashions, 
wasting his day in conspicuous consumption. A poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, had been dumped on his doorsteps. All he lived for was to get a meal from scraps off the rich man's table. His best friends were the dogs who came and licked his sores. Then he died, this poor man, and was taken up by the angels to the lap of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell and in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham in the distance and Lazarus in his lap. He called out, Father Abraham, mercy, have mercy. Send Lazarus to dip his finger in water to cool my tongue. I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham said, child, <laughs> remember that in your lifetime you got good things and that Lazarus, the bad things. It's not like that here. Here he's consoled and you are tormented. Besides, in all these matter, in all these matters, there is a huge chasm set between us so that no one can go from us to you, even if he wanted to, nor can anyone cross over from you to us. The rich man said, then let me ask you, father, send him to the house of my father, where I have five brothers, so he can tell them the score and warn them so they won't end up here in this place of torment. Abraham answered, they have Moses and the prophets to tell them the score. Let them listen to them. I know Father Abraham, he said, but they are not listening. If someone comes back to them from the dead, they will change their ways. Abraham replied, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they, won't, they are not going to be convinced by someone who raises from the dead. And may the Lord bless this reading in our hearts in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. I'll hand over to Brother John, who will take us through the Old Testament Bible reading plan. God bless you all. Have a beautiful, beautiful Saturday. Thank you very much, Brother Jose. Oh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome once again to the Old Testament reading of our one-year Bible reading plan. Now we have covered the book of Ruth. We are now in the book of First Samuel. We're taking First Samuel chapter one and chapter two today. And I'd like to say a big thank you to Sister Maka for this opportunity to take this segment. Okay, now we're reading the story of Hannah, chapter one. Caption, Hannah pours out her heart to God. There was once there once was a man who lived in Ramathai. He was descended from the old Zuf family in the Ephraim Hills. His name was Elkanah. He was connected with the Zufs from Ephraim through his father, Jeroham, his grandfather, Elihu, 
and his great-grandfather Tohu. He had two wives. The first was Hami. The second was Penina. Penina had children. Hannah did not. It's three. Every year, this man went from his hometown up to Shiloh to worship and offer a sacrifice to God of the angel Amis. Eli and his two sons, Ophni and Phinehas, Phinehas, served as a priest of God there. When Elkanah sacrificed, he passed helpings from the sacrificial meal around to his wife, Benina, and all her children, where he always gave an especially generous helping to Hannah because he loved her so much and because God had not given her children. But her rival wife taunted her cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children. This went on year after year. Every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. Her husband, Ekana, said, Oh, Hannah, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? And why are you so upset? Am I not of more worth to you than ten sons? Verse 9. So Hannah ate. Then she pulled herself together, slipped away quietly, and entered the sanctuary. The priest Eli was on duty at the entrance to God's temple in the customary seats. Crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried inconsolably. Then she made a vow. <laughs> o God of the angel armies, if you will take a good, hard look at my pain, if you will quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I will give him completely, unreservedly to you. I will set him apart for a life of holy discipline. It so happened that as she continued in prayer before God, Eli was watching her closely, and I was praying in her heart silently. Her lips moved, but no sound was heard. Eli jumped to the conclusion that she was drunk. He approached her and said, You are drunk. How long do you plan to keep this up? Sober up, woman. And I said, oh, no, sir, please. I'm a woman brokenhearted. I haven't been drinking, not a drop of wine or beer. The only thing I've been pouring out is my heart. Pouring it out to God. Don't for a minute think I'm a bad woman. It is because I'm so desperately unhappy and in such pain that I have stayed here so long. Eli answered her, go in peace. And may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. Think well of me and pray for me, she said, and went away. Then she ate heartily, her face radiant. Wow. So much to learn. Verse 19. Up before dawn, they worshiped God and returned home to Ramah. Elkanah slept with Hannah, his wife. And God began making the necessary arrangements in response to what she had asked. Praise God. Dedicating the child to God. Verse 20. Before the year was out, 
Hannah had conceived and given birth to a son. She named him Samuel, explaining, I asked God for him. When a Canaanese took his family on their annual trip to Shiloh to worship God, offering sacrifices and keeping his vow, Hannah didn't go. She told her husband, after the child is weaned, I will bring him myself and present him before God. And that is where he will stay for good. He cannot say to his wife, do what you think is best. Stay home until you have weaned him. Yes, let God complete what he has begun. So she did. She stayed home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Then she took him up to Shiloh, bringing also the makings of a generous sacrificial meal, a prize bull, flour, and wine. The child was so young to be sent off. They first butchered the bull, then brought the child to Eli. Hannah said, excuse me, sir, would you believe that I am the very woman who was standing before you at this very spot, praying to God? I prayed for this child, and God gave me what I asked for. And now, I have dedicated him to God. He is dedicated to God for life. Then and there, they worship God. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, and I'll hand over to Sister Maka to take us through chapter 2. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Brother John. So I'm going to be reading... I'm going to be reading chapter two of first um, Samuel and um, Hannah prayed, I'm busting with God news. I'm walking on earth. I'm laughing at my rivals. I'm dancing my salvation. Nothing and no one is holy like God. No rock mountain like our God. Don't dare talk pretentiously. Not a word of boasting ever, for God knows what's going on. He takes the measure of everything that happens. The, wish, the weapons of the strong are smashed to pieces, while the weak are infused with fresh strength. The well-fed are out begging in the streets for crust, while the hungry are getting second helpings. The barren woman has a house full of children while the mother of many is bereft. God brings death and God brings life. God brings down to the grave and raises up. God brings poverty and God brings wealth. He lowers, he also lifts up. He puts poor people on their feet again. He rekindles bond out lives with fresh hope, restoring dignity and respect to their lives. A place in the sun, for the very structures of earth are God's. He has laid out his operations on a firm foundation. He protectively cares for his faithful friends step by step, but leaves the wicked to stumble in the dark. No one makes it in this life by sheer muzzle. God's enemies will be blasted out of the sky, crashed in a heap and burned. God will set things right all over the earth. He will give strength to his king. He will set his anointed on, the, on top of the world. Elkanah went home to Ramah. The boys stayed and served God in the company of Eli the priest. Samuel serves God. Verse 12. Eli's own sons were a bad lot. They didn't know 
and could not have cared less about the customs of priests among the people. Ordinarily, when someone offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant was supposed to come up and while the meat was boiling, stab a three-pronged fork into the cooking pot. The priest got whatever came up on the fork. But this is how Eli's sons treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh to offer sacrifices to God. Before they had even borne the fat to God, the priest's servant would interrupt whoever was sacrificing and say, hand over some of the meat for the priest to roast. He doesn't like boiled meat. He likes his rear. If the man objected, first let the fat be burned, God's portion, then take all you want, the servant would demand. No, I want it now. If you won't give it, I'll take it. It was a horrible sin these young servants were committing and right in the presence of God, desecrating the holy offerings to God. In the midst of all this, Samuel, a boy dressed in a priestly linear tonic, served God. Additionally, every year his mother would make him a little robe cut to his size and bring it to him when she and her husband came for the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, God give you children to replace this child you have dedicated to God. Then they would go home. God was most especially kind to Hannah. She had three more boys and two daughters. The boy Samuel stayed at the sanctuary and grew up with God. And grew up with God. And grew up with God. He had life with many tears. By this time, Eli was very old. He kept getting reports on how his sons were ripping off the people and sleeping with the women who helped out at the sanctuary. Eli took them to tax. What's going on? Why are you doing these things? I hear story after story of your corrupt and evil carrying on. Oh, my sons, this is not right. These are terrible reports I'm getting. Stories spreading right and left among God's people. If you sin against another person, there's help. God's help. But if you sin against God, who is around to help? But they were far gone in disobedience and refused to listen to a thing their father said. So God, who was fed up with them, decreed their death. But the boy Samuel was very much alive, growing up, blessed by God and popular with the people. A holy man came to Eli and said, this is God's message. I reveal myself openly to your ancestors when they were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. Out of all the tribes of Israel, I chose your family to be my priest, to preside at the altar, to burn incense, to wear the priestly robes in my absence. I put your ancestral family in charge of all the sacrificial offerings of Israel. So why do you now treat as mere loot these very sacrificial offerings that I commanded for my worship? Why do you treat your sons better than me, turning them loose to get fat on these offerings and ignoring me? Therefore, this is God's word the God of Israel speaking. I once said that you and your ancestral family will be my priest indefinitely. But now God's word, remember, there is no way this can continue. I honor those who honor me, those who scorn me, I demean. Verse 31, be well warned, it won't be long before I wipe out both your family and your future family. No one in your family will make it to old age. You see good things that I'm doing in Israel, but you see it and weep for no one in your family will live to enjoy it. I will leave one person to serve at my altar, but it will be a hard life with many tears. 
everyone else in your family will die before their time. What happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be the proof. Both will die the same day. Then I'll establish for myself a true priest. He will do what I want him to do, be what I want him to be. I'll make his position secure and he will do his work freely in the service of my anointed one. Survivors from your family will come to him begging for handouts, saying, please give me some priest work, just enough to put some food on the table. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There are so many lessons for us in the Bible. You know, with every character in the Bible, we could see how they turned out. We could see how they ended. And my pastor, Pastor Chris, will always say that every character is in the Bible. He says, so when you are behaving like a particular character, you say, check the Bible and see how that one ended. And ask yourself if you want to end like that one. There are stipulated ways that things are done in the house of God. And it matters that we adhere to them. Like we see here in the case of Samuel's sons, they would rather do it their own way, not the way that had been stipulated. You may be a cell leader in your church, a pastoral assistant, a choir coordinator, where however you serve and wherever you are, there is a way that the service that you are offering has been recommended. Give it that way and give it your best. We read in today's Rhapsody that what you sow is what you reap. That seed of your time, that seed of your talent, where you're training other people, where you're helping other people, put in your best because there is a harvest for it. Yesterday we read in the book of Ruth, we saw the character of Boaz, a man who would not cut corners, a man who would do things the right way. Um, Naomi said something about Boaz that stood out for me. He said that man will not rest until he has done something about it. How did she know? Naomi had been away for a long time, but she knew that there was a character in Boaz who would not rest until a matter, justice has been done to a matter. What kind of person are you? If we were to testify about you, if we were to say, oh, brother John is going to act like this in this situation. Sister Nikkei is going to act like this in this situation. What would the testimony be? Especially as it regards our work in the house of God. There is no other work that we have in life than this one that we have in the house of God. There are works that end here, but there are works that continue beyond now. While it is okay to go about making money, to go about doing all that you need to do for your business, let the things that are important to God be important to you. When I was a teenager, my teens coordinator used to tell me, he said, when the things that matter to God matter to you, then the things that matter to God to you would matter to God. When the things that matter to God matter to you, then the things that matter to you would matter to God. God has favorites. And it should all be our desire to be one of God's favorite. Don't be like Samuel, who God had chosen, that his family line will always be a king, a priest unto him. But God couldn't see through on his words because the men didn't keep their own side of the bargain. Don't let God change his mind about certain things 
that has been appointed to you. And not because he has to change his mind, but you see, like we read in today's Rhapsody, it is about principles. A child throws a stone up, it will come down. An adult throws it up, it will come down. A Muslim throws it up, it will come down. They are just certain principles about life. And the Bible says that he that breaks the hedge, the serpent will bite. There are just some dangers that we expose ourselves to when we walk outside of the word of God. So in whatever we do, let us stay within the confines of the word and do things as the scripture has said. Thank you so much. Thank you for the time and well done. We've come a long way in our Bible reading and we're almost we're almost done before you know it. It's the end of the year and we've read the whole Bible in one year. Praise God. So I'm going to hand over to Brother Martins for the Pauline affirmation as well as the communion. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Maka. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Pauline affirmation. I hope you can see it on the screen, please. Can someone confirm that you can see it on the screen right now? Yeah, we can. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, our formation this morning, we start our formation by taking our name, your name, I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Christ. The next paragraph, I'm, I'm I, your name, I'm granted according to the riches of the glory of Christ. The third paragraph, your name first, my love abounds more and more in knowledge and in all judgments. At this time, I'll kindly ask everyone to unmute their mic as we take our formation at the count of three. Please unmute your mics. At the count of three, we go. One, two, three. My name is Martin Scucci. I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the name of Christ. I have understanding and enlightenment so that I know the hope of God's and the riches of the glory of the I know the I know and understand the love of more and more. I love about more and more. I love at this point, we'll be heading over to the communion. Kindly ask everyone to take their bread as we take our communion. We're taking our scripture from 
First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. I receive of the Lord that which I deliver unto you, the Lord Jesus, the same night which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it and Brother Matthews, we can't hear you. Please, can you unmute your mic, please? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, we um, can hear you. Okay. Our text is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I receive of the Lord that which I deliver unto you, the Lord Jesus, the same night he was betrayed to bread. And when you have given thanks, you break it and say, take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do remember us of me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the breaking of bread this morning. As we break this bread, we'll never be broken in life. As we break this bread, we affirm that Jesus is Lord of our lives. As we break this bread, we declare that eternal life is our present, our reality. We have eternal life now. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, go ahead and break the bread and eat it. Praise the Lord. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, say, saying, this cup, the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Father, we thank you. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thank you, Father, for this cup. This is the cup of the everlasting covenant. As we take this cup this day, our souls are purified. Our hearts indicted give matter. We declare in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The glory, that same glory that you have given unto the apostles, that same glory that you give unto us. Men will see it. But when they see us, they will behold the glory of God. Thank you, Father, for this glory go forth and we give it to many. As many as come in contact with us, they are glorified also by the power of the Holy Ghost. We live a transcendent life now. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise. We worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, go ahead and take the cup. Ilaiko Barando Sovredila Crosti Gabrodiga. Nandilon Crosti Juparadila Grosi Prodiga. Thank you, Lord. It is done. 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 Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. It is done. At this point, I can ask everyone to meet your mic as we take the benediction. Please don't meet your mic. Grace the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, God, glory, 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 gl